Hey guys, Shane with Now That I'm Older. Check out Rogue Intel Prime with Duff and Chris. Anything goes in this podcast of infinite possibilities. The gang are sure to entertain with their take on the latest news, commentary, and review of, well, whatever the hell they feel like. Check out Rogue Intel Prime on RogueIntel.com. are the lords of the harvest and welcome to the powerful nerd cast i finally got to quote dennis hopper there from the texas chainsaw massacre 2 a film that most people have not seen and that's very appropriate because we have a very halloween centric episode for you guys today i'm going to reveal my top five favorite horror movies of all time christian you went last week if you guys want to see what his favorite horror movies were check out last week's episode we'll put a link for that in the description box below and just an fyi guys they're going to be better than Corey's. okay i don't know about that <laughs> this isn't a contest we're not it's here not, to say who because has if a- it was i've already won but <laughs> Well, I enjoy your confidence, but what's really great is our lists are completely different from one another, but we're also going to talk about the brand new final trailer for Mm. Star Wars, The Ah! Force Awakens. Holy crap. I'm still jacked up about this. Now, Christian, I know you're not the biggest Star Wars fan, but I know that you appreciate the franchise. I appreciate the fandom. Mm -hmm. I really thought that the new trailer looked great, by the way. This movie's not going to disappoint. Hands down, it's not. As someone who works in production, you can at least appreciate the look of the film. I mean, yeah. I mean, I almost appreciate normal TV, because that shit's hard to make, you know? So, like, this movie... Next level. And the thing is, it looks great. And they even mm-hmm. went to the extra link to shoot with film. And yeah. you know what? That adds like an extra $2 million to mm-hmm. shoot with film. So they went out of their way to do it just like the old days. No mm-hmm. no massive CG green screen sets. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that actually exists on some level. Oh, yeah. But, wow, they killed it. And the camera work, you even mentioned that right before we went on, mm-hmm. looks great. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I forget the characters' names, but when the pilot and the uh, new black lead, like, pass yeah. each other and the camera spin around. What is it around. about that shot that's so good? I don't it's know. It's so simple. But it's But it, good. it just invites you in for some reason. Because you see the, what's the pilot's character's name? Uh, Poe Dameron. Being po played Dam- by Oscar Isaac. Yeah, and he's tearing mm-hmm. up the fucking dance floor. Damn straight. And so you're looking at him over the black lead's character, and then as he comes and starts talking to the black lead's character, it spins around, mm-hmm. and then you see him as he's like hearing him talk to him. Obviously, they're about to go to battle. Yeah. The, so I imagine like, this is maybe like the final push before the last big like space battle or aerial battle of yeah. the movie. This could be kind they're, of early in in the they're movie. They're canceling the apocalypse, or they're... If this only is- Idris Elba... <laughs> If only Idris Elba could somehow be a part of this franchise. Actually, they have been talking to him uh, to be in these movies and even in the anthology Star Wars movies. That would be great. Mm-hmm. And Well, he's a perfect actor, I he think, is. for this. He could mm-hmm. handle it totally. He really could. And also, um, what was the other line from uh, Independence Day? Today is oh. our... <laughs> Today's the day we celebrate... Our Independence, Independence Day! Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Interchangeable. That one soldier who's like really into it. Yeah, <laughs> we, that's something, America. That's something that I've realized too. Doing this podcast, I love doing top five lists in a podcast format. I would love to do top ten or like top five cheesiest movie speeches. Uh, maybe we can include more of these in the future. But uh, let's get back on track with uh, Star Wars. The trailer they just released is going to be the final trailer for the movie. It just completely destroyed all of my expectations. And what's really cool about this trailer is that it actually aired for the first time on TV. It actually aired last night. During uh, halftime, during the Philadelphia Eagles and New York Giants. New York Giants were eating shit in the second quarter. Um, and then they immediately <laughs> went to halftime. And uh, just the build-up to that, like in the minute they went to halftime, 
First, we had Chris Berman, who was doing a little bit of commentary, and it was just excruciating waiting that extra three minutes <laughs> before that trailer went up. And then it happened, and then I missed it because I was in the restroom, and I was like, shit, how did that happen? So I ran upstairs, and luckily, all of this just happened to be online immediately. Oh, you know, obviously like an they, accident? Or yeah. you think they planned that <laughs> no, shit out? No, they totally planned this. Um, I believe they released it either at the same exact time or right after. And uh, I went ahead and sat down and did my reaction. If you guys would like to see that reaction, I'll put a link for that video in the description box as well, just to sort of gauge my hype when I saw it for the first time. I thought it was probably one of my more subdued reactions. Um, but, like, the excitement that I got from that movie, like, I already told you, like, I slept about four hours last night. Uh, the, the other time was me just sort of talking with people on message boards and looking at reactions from other people and just watching all these analysis videos, just so absorbed into this trailer, which the genius of this trailer too, is that it still doesn't like reveal anything like about the overall story. Like there's still even barely any dialogue. Like it's you, just sort you of see up in the air. where the conflict's going to lie, yeah. but like literally you don't know anything else besides mm. that. And it's really, you know, I actually was like, no, 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 you know a lot. And then you're like, wait, what do you really know? Well, the TIE fighters shooting at the spaceships and, you know, I was like, I mean, wait we, a second, we, we you know don't really know what. We know who to root for and yeah. we know who to root against. Obviously, uh, the Rebels or the Resistance, as they're known in Star Wars The Force Awakens, are going to be battling against the, uh, the remnants of the Empire, which are now known as the First Order, who continue to come across as like a neo-Nazi organization, just the way they always present I, them. I'd like to see how the Empire even kind of got back in power. I thought yeah. they dissolved the Empire. Like, that that was they? the general consensus uh, at the end of Return of the Jedi, although uh, if any war in history will tell us, uh, just because you defeat the leader does not mean you necessarily uh, defeat the evil organization. You know, cutting off the snake's head doesn't always work. Definitely doesn't work. I mean, like, like even like with modern day terrorism, you can kill Obama, not, I almost said Obama, Osama, <laughs> you can kill Osama and like, it doesn't matter. Hmm. You know, it's all splintered into a million little different organizations. Hmm. So, and you know. that's uh, exactly what happened to the Empire. Just uh -huh. a lot of the, uh, the higher ups in that army decided to, uh, you know, go off and create their own organization, the First Order, which is uh, now being led by Kylo Ren, although I believe there's someone else in the shadows who's being played by Andy Serkis, a character whom they haven't revealed yet, but he was actually the narrator in the very first Force Awakens trailer. Okay. And in this trailer, we get to hear Kylo Ren for the first time, and uh, because he's so obsessed with Darth Vader, it makes sense that his voice is synthesized a little bit, it makes him sound really evil and everything, and he claims that he's going to be following in Darth Vader's footsteps, and that line alone has got people talking because even you're like well what the hell does he mean by that does he mean like he wants to destroy the galaxy or he wants to be the lapdog of the next emperor like what does that really mean to follow in the footsteps of darth vader darth vader didn't do much on his own the not necessarily he handled his situations yeah. on his own his way mm -hmm. but he was usually following orders on yeah. some some sort of uh you know spectrum mm -hmm. but maybe um he could just say pushing the dark side forward mm -hmm. is his real agenda. Basically, what I really I don't think we should be reading in it too much is that he's basically picking up the legacy of Darth Vader, whom he sees as a martyr. Like he's completely obsessed with him. Clearly, even though his mask doesn't look like Darth Vader, he's kind of like emulating his whole style. And mm -hmm. uh, there's even another shot in the trailer, which is my personal favorite shot aside from the space battles, which is uh, right when the this Christmas comes up. There's this shot of Kylo Ren standing in the rain, surrounded by all of these uh, troopers, which are clad in black, which I believe are actually these uh, mysterious beings known as the Knights of Ren. Uh, just that shot with a John Williams score is just so ominously amazing and sends such a chill down my spine. And uh, just there's so many crazy parts of the trailer. 
Um, you know, the opening shot of Rey, uh, where she's uh, excavating the uh, giant Star Destroyer, mm-hmm. that's just so somber and so different from anything that I've seen from Star Wars. And the scale of it all is just so amazing. And uh, the trailer's doing a really good job of showing off the main characters. Like, you have Rey, then you have Finn. You get the very first shot of him and his TIE fighter, which is, like, crashing towards the planet of Jakku. And, uh, God, I love the new TIE Fighters, because in the original movie, they were just sort of like the plain old silver color. Now they have black and red mixed to them. They yeah, they kind of so have, like... so much more distinct. Well, you gotta... You throw a racing stripe on something, and it's cooler. Exactly. <laughs> I guess that makes it move quicker, too. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, he loses his TIE Fighter, and I'm guessing this is after he realized, wait a minute, these First Order guys are kind of freaking insane. I don't want to be with them. And that's where he ends up joining with Rey. You have uh, Han Solo, who does, uh, you know, they show more of the Millennium Falcon, which is always a good thing. You know, if you want to get the Star Wars fan base excited, you just show them a few shots of the Millennium Falcon flying. Like, and the everyone. Minute, <laughs> pretty much. Like, I remember jumping out of my chair, like, when uh, they showed uh, Han Solo uh, going through Chewbacca? hyperspace, and then oh, they yeah. immediately cut uh, to the next shot, like just oh, so good, man! Like they're really doing a great job of capturing that old school Star Wars energy. And the CG looks so good. Yeah, it, it doesn't, doesn't look, look off-putting. It doesn't look like man that explosion where the uh, X-wing blows up the Tie Fighter when they're going down towards the lake. Mm-hmm. That looks like real. Yeah, it does. Looks ridiculously good. So I'm yeah, like, like, damn. As the Tie Fighter like sweeps up across yeah. the screen. Yeah, that looks really good. And the robot that um, walks across the screen, mm-hmm. you know, that's yeah. obviously CG. The, yeah, the uh, the red one that's just kind of lumbering yeah. forward. Like I don't looks even know what that is, but people are already making whole like videos and commentaries about the weird walking red robot. And that's what's <laughs> so amazing about Star Wars is you can just talk about the characters in the background or something that only appears for a couple of seconds mm-hmm. and have an entire dialogue about it. And this trailer has already gotten people talking so much it's uh it's doing a really great job of doing that uh and still there's there's still so much mystery um there's this one shot towards the end which i think most people fanboyed out the most on when you have uh han solo and princess leia you have uh both of them hugging each other almost as if like one of them's about to go off to war do something really serious or dangerous Mm -hmm. and uh a lot of people are speculating that this could actually take place after like a major battle and then another major character could have died because there's this one crucial shot in the trailer towards the end where you have the character of Rey who has someone in her arms who's either dead or hurt. And it could be three people. It could be Han Solo, Chewbacca, or the brand new character Finn. And it's really hard to tell who that is, but if it's going to be anyone, it's probably going to be Han Solo. Yeah, it's like Han Solo... And, uh, like, Harrison Ford has even made, like, obviously this has nothing to do with it, but, like, Harrison Ford is, like, almost not into the Star Wars franchise in some ways, so they kind of, like, get him out of there. (laughs) Come uh, back. Well, here's a little thing. Most Star Wars fans know this, but back when they did uh, Empire Strikes Back, at the end of that movie, Han Solo gets encased in carbonite, and then he's uh, whisked away to Jabba the Hutt's palace. Uh, Han Solo, or excuse me, Harrison Ford's original request was that uh, George Lucas kill off the character right there. He was done with the franchise. He felt it was a much more powerful note to kill off the character that way, going out like a boss. But because how popular he was with the fan base, Mm -hmm. they decided to bring him back. And I guarantee... Right before they freeze him, he's like, uh, Princess Leia's like, I love you. He's like, I know. (laughs) That is so Han Solo, though. I love it. I love the Family Guy version of it, though, um, where Lois is I love you, Peter Griffin. Fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) That's it right there. So pompous. Um, but I guarantee that when they were getting ready to start making this new Force Awakens movie, they talked to Harrison Ford. They're like, look, the fan base wants you back. You're one of the most important characters of the franchise. What can we do to bring you back? And I guarantee one of the first things that Harrison Ford said was, okay, I'll do it, but you have to kill me in the first one. 
Yeah. That was the stipulation for bringing back Han Solo. And if that's what's going to happen, it's... I can just... I want to see the theater's reaction to that moment. Because I am going to be going to see it on midnight. And, uh, you know, if you've ever been to one of these midnight releases for a Star Wars movie, you know how passionate the fan base can actually oh, yeah, get And how they can react at the screens. Um, especially now that they're bringing back the old characters. If Han Solo dies, people are going to flip the shit out. It's going to be a really, really big deal. Um, but yeah, this is just another... I'm so worried about spoilers, because I know a lot of people are going to be dicks about it if they find yeah, things out. That's my biggest worry. It's kind of back to the whole, like, uh, Snape kills Dumbledore moment. Oh, remember, people were making videos about, like, they'd drive by people in line yeah. to buy the book, and they'd be like, Snape kills Dumbledore! The book hadn't even been out, like, half a day, yeah. and they're already, like, spoiling uh. everything for those poor people who just wanted to read the book. Yeah. Um, so I am going to do everything in my power to try and avoid any more promotional material for the movie if they do promotional material hopefully they just sort of like pick and choose what they already have taken from the trailers and sort of just like Frankenstein it all together because uh, I think this is the perfect way to hype up the movie um, it, it's so hyped that I remember last night as soon as the trailer got done playing uh, they announced that you can go ahead and pre-order your tickets Fandango was crashed for over four hours I heard that it they crashed the internet in. yeah. it's really funny too because if you ever tried to like click on your tickets they would uh, take you to this screen which was a shot of Han Solo and Chewbacca working on the Millennium Falcon uh-huh. like technical difficulties so that was pretty fun they were obviously prepared for the fact that there were going to be issues with people actually like downloading the tickets like that's how anticipated the the movie is yeah so i always feel like uh you see that sometimes like i remember on like uh game launches on mm. steam the steam network uh it would always go like to shit for multiplayer on yeah. most of the big game launches like remember grand theft auto 5 yeah online sucked for a long time mm-hmm. and it was like you guys should have three thousand more servers it's like what so we can handle the the bump that happens for two weeks exactly like we can't do that it's mm-hmm. just gonna suck in the beginning so it's funny that fandango was just like yeah this is just how it's gonna mm-hmm. be so. the good news is though uh, i've been reading a lot of articles about it because i've been so paranoid about getting tickets and everything i think as long as you buy your tickets within the next month you're going to be okay uh, after that, I think things are going to be difficult because this is going to be one of those movies where they're going to see like how successful it is, how many people have pre-ordered, and they're going to just open more theaters for it. Like th- This is a movie that's going to be screening on uh, more theater screens than any other movie in uh, movie history. So, I mean, this is just, it's going to be a big deal. Uh, but yeah, the trailer was just absolutely amazing, gorgeous, really atmospheric. I think the thing that tied it all together at the end of the day, though, was the classic John Williams score, which is basically remixes of old music just done with modern touches and made to be more intense more epic more epic like that shot of the millennium falcon going into hyperspace then cutting away to the knights of ren once that music kicks in i want to cry it's so fucking beautiful yeah just oh god this is this is without a doubt the most anticipated movie of all time for me it might even be the culmination of my being you know like like seriously that there, there's a lot of Woo! no there's a lot of important things in my life you know like uh first time i had sex mm-hmm. huge deal right first time i drove a car really really big deal star wars the force awakens fucking blowing all that shit out of the water <laughs> star wars the force awakens that's oh, what it really means to God, me God. i could you know a movie's going to be important cuz like even when i was sleeping the 4 hours i got last night what was all my dreams about? Fucking Star Wars. That's all I could think of. It wasn't the first bitch you fucked or the first car you drove. No, fuck that shit. <laughs> fucking Star Wars. <laughs> Darken theater. Face on screen. 
Uh, popcorn. Do you remember we made a few videos back in the day when episode one came out? I we remember did. We all dressed up. Or, uh, we we did episode three, Revenge of the Sith. Oh, was that what it was? Yeah, we it was went episode to the, three. Uh, the midnight release. It was in our senior year of high school. Yes, actually, it was. Yeah. And I remember, I remember, I remember Cody was dressed up like a a, a Jedi. Most likely. he was dressed up as human Anakin Skywalker, and I okay. was dressed up as Darth Vader. We yes, two versions of the same character. I remember. He that. even put the scar over his eye. Yeah, and then uh, everyone was talking, and they're like, uh, it, "That video is hilarious, though. Mm-hmm. I don't even know where it is. It's buried yeah. on some hard drive somewhere." But that that shows you how dedicated we were even back then. Yeah, I mean, and there were a lot of people who were dressed up at that. I remember. I remember it was so fun watching that whole movie dressed as Darth Vader was strange. Um, I had to take off the the helmet, obviously. But uh, just, yeah, that was a really big experience. That's what I'm really hoping that uh, Force Awakens is going to be like. It's just going to be a really large crowd that's really enthusiastic about what they're seeing. A lot of people in costume. Just uh, the hype is beyond real. You know, I like a lot of nerdy things, but Star Wars is officially back on top. Oh, yeah. No doubt. I'm actually, uh, it's got me excited. You know, even though I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan, I'm definitely going to go see this film. But. Before we get into your top ten scary movies, mm-hmm. or top five, mm-hmm. I have to share a scary story of my own. Okay. So this weekend, I went on a hunting trip uh, filming a reality show. Mm-hmm. If you guys don't know, I'm a camera operator, so I went to go film this uh, reality show in Kentucky. And they were doing uh, deer hunting. Okay. Uh, hunting for bucks, yeah. you know? And so there we are. We're there. And a lot about hunting is literally 90% hanging out with the guys and just chilling. You know, getting ready to go get up early in the morning to go hunting. Or you go out right before the sun sets. Because it seems like that's when deer are most active or most on the move. Mm -hmm. Because, like, during the day uh, or uh, very late at night, they bed down and just lay down in the woods somewhere and you don't see them anymore. So, there we are. And um, what do dudes do if it's a bunch of dudes that know each other and then there's a few new guys? A.K.A. the cameraman, the production staff. They fuck with them. Yeah. You got to get fucked with to get into the group yeah they bust your balls a they little bust bit. your balls so that's what's going on here and we're getting busted our balls are getting major busted here because these dudes have been hanging out and hunting for years you know and then we come in and they just think we can't roll with them and whatnot mm-hmm. and we're all a few beers in you know and they're like we need to go uh uh oh i forgot the name of the animal was it uh snipe we need snipe. we need to go snipe hunting yeah. right now and i was like what are snipes? And they're like, they're little rodents like this big. They're like weasels? Yeah, they're like little rodents this big, and bass love them. So mm-hmm. we go, we're going to go snipe hunting. You go into any field at night in the woods in Kentucky, and then you uh, have someone go on the other side of the field, and you take a pillowcase and a flashlight. They're very attracted to the light. And you take a pillowcase and a flashlight, and you put the pillowcase on the ground. You put the flashlight on the back of the pillowcase, and the snipe will run into the pillowcase. What? And but they're on the other side of the field banging spoons and it disturbs the snipes, right? And I'm like, okay, because I'm pumped. I'm like, I'm not gonna get to shoot a deer. You know, I'm not gonna get to get up in the morning and get in a deer stand. But I'm you're gonna, you're gonna bag some damn snipes. Yeah, so I'm like, yeah. So I like run inside, I'm all excited, and everyone's laughing for some reason. I don't get it, but I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna be I'm gonna catch the most snipes. And so I run inside and rip the pillowcase off my pillow. And grab a flashlight and run outside. And I even put my uh, my camo hat on. And I, I put my camo jacket on because I had brought and all this stuff. And I had to buy all this shit. I don't own camo stuff. Mm-hmm. And because I, I may live in Georgia, but I am super far from being a southern <laughs> dude. And so there we are. Then we get on these ATVs. They're not ATVs. I call them utility vehicles. You know mm-hmm. those things that look like uh, hardcore off-road golf carts? 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so we go deep in the woods. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, we're going way farther than anywhere else. And then they pull up to a graveyard. And they're like, Christian, you go stand on the other side of this graveyard, and we're going to go down the road, and we're going to start banging spoons and, you know, just wait for the snipes. Mm -hmm. They're coming. And I was like, okay. And so there I am. 30 minutes pass, and I'm standing in this graveyard holding a pillowcase. In the middle of night. <laughs> in the middle of night. I'm talking, man, you can see the galaxies. We're, we were an hour and a half away from heading cell phone service. We had gone deep in the woods. Okay. And these, this dude owns a 17-mile ranch, like a 17-big-old mile mm. ranch. That's huge. Yeah, it's massive. That's massive. 17 miles is like from here to your house. Mm-hmm. You know, like imagine that in the woods. Mm-hmm. And so – and then the other guy, uh, one of the other guys, the lead producer was there, and we weren't that far apart. But there, and then we kept hearing spoons bang in the distance, and we're like, "Oh, this is you know, I'm not gonna lie, man, this is kind of freaky, you know. Like, why are we in a graveyard right now? There's 17 miles of this place. Why are we in a graveyard?" And then uh, me and him both look at each other. I'm like, "Do you think they're fucking with us? You think they made this up? There's no such thing as a snipe, is there?" And then uh, all of a sudden, they just like roll up on us and sneak up on us and like scare us out of the woods, you know? And I was like, how did they what? do that? Well, it's pitch black, dude. Yeah. And like, you can't hear anything because mm-hmm. the, the woods, the noise of the woods is almost like deafening, mm-hmm. you know? And so they, then they all start laughing and they, they, they punked us. Yeah. They're like, there's no snipes. This shit doesn't exist. And it's like, <laughs> I knew it doesn't exist. Who the hell? It's the opposite of hunting. bass bait in the middle of the night in the middle of the field with a fucking pillowcase and a flashlight. I was like, this is the opposite of hunting. Yeah. I'm standing in the middle of a dark field with a flashlight and everyone's making noise. The hunting, nothing adds up. <laughs> nothing, hunting is being quiet and not being seen, and I'm doing the exact opposite. And so then they brought us back, and we had some more beers, and we were kind of like part of the group after that. Okay, but this is your initiation process. Yeah, yeah, you know, like when you go to camp, you know, they fuck with you for the first night or two. And but uh, I rolled with them, and I thought that that was terrifying, though. You know, there I was in a graveyard. These gravestones were like. 19 or 1852 like yeah. old ass gravestones like a big slab of marble that someone carved into you know wow. and uh anyway terrifying <laughs> <laughs> wow so if anyone says do you want to go snipe hunting you just tell them no motherfucker i know that's not real <laughs> i'm sure all these hunters know about snipe hunting but mm. i i hadn't heard about it because i'd never been hunting that is really freaking awesome but I just remember sitting there talking to the producer. I'm like, I think they're fucking with us, man. How do we fall for this? Because even one of the guys like came out with a bucket. He's like, oh, dude, I got the snipe bucket. And they're all like, yeah. Oh, I'm glad you remembered that. And they're probably like, oh, that's we're selling it so good. We're selling it so good. And uh, so anyway. Uh, they could have been so much more cruel, too. I know. Uh, in the middle of this graveyard with barely any light, too. That had to be There was no freaky. light. There was my flashlight. Oof. There was nothing. Anyway, okay. I'd have been flipping out. Top five or top top five scary movies. Okay, Hit ladies and gentlemen, here we are. My top five favorite horror movies. We're gonna go through all of them, uh, just like your list. No particular order, you know, just sort of going through them randomly. Uh, before we get to the last one, however, we will do some uh, honorable mentions. Um, but uh, let's go ahead and start. Uh, the first thing you'll probably notice about my list too is uh, that pretty much every movie except for one is an '80s movie. Uh, so um, doesn't surprise me yeah, to be so let's honest. Let's go ahead Corey. and just start with what I think is going to be the answer most people would be expecting from me if you know me really well. Uh, my first choice is Friday the Thirteenth Part Four, the final chapter, which is far from being the final chapter of Friday the Thirteenth. Now, this was the hardest choice on my entire list to make because I'm a huge fan of the Friday the Thirteenth franchise. Uh, I love like the you character. got knocked the fuck out. 
Mm-hmm. You got knocked the fuck out? I think you're thinking of the wrong one. <laughs> the this wrong is the Friday. dude with the hockey mask. <laughs> it's a different uh, Friday movie. But these are the uh, the famous movies with the uh, the slasher killer known as Jason, who's become one of the most recognizable modern, I'm going to say, movie monsters. He's not really a monster. He's more of just like a super zombie uh, who knows how to use a machete, and uh, he's basically a badass woodsman. Uh, but the reason this was so difficult for me is because there are like over 10 different Friday the 13th movies, and they're all... Fairly different for the most part, aside from the fact that most of them do have the whole just being in the woods, being stalked by a killer thing. Um, But I didn't go with the first one, because Jason technically is not in the first movie. Um, That was his mom. It was his mom who was the killer in the first one, who was uh, played by, uh, what's her name, Betsy Palmer. Uh Uh, Very sweet lady. Uh, In fact, she only did the movie so that she could actually buy a brand new car. She was in desperate need of a little bit of money, and she decided to do it. She even hated the script. She thought it was one of the worst things she's ever read, but she needed a new damn car, so she went ahead and did the role. Um, Then there was part two, which formally introduced uh, Jason into the series as the slasher villain. Uh, He had not yet had his traditional hockey mask. Uh, He was wearing a potato sack over his head throughout the uh, course of the entire So he's like Texas Chainsaw Massacre-looking dude a little 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 more. Yeah, Yeah, like I know Leatherface is different-looking, but, you know, like... Overalls and uh, plaid in that movie. Very one of the most different looking Jasons. You even see his face at the end of the uh, the movie as well. Which uh, you almost always see Jason's face at the end of the movies. Uh, but since uh, every movie is made by like a different team, he always looks a little different. Uh, part three was the one that I struggled with the most. I was like, it's either going to be part three or part four. Uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Three. Uh, was actually a 3D movie when it came out for the very first time. Um, really? And it really took advantage of Did the Did he gimmicks. throw the machete? And like, uh, he does it? not actually throw the machete, but his uh, very first kill in the movie with the mask on, the very first time you see him wearing the hockey mask, he has a, a harpoon, like a, like they use like when you're fishing, like a spear fishing. Okay. And he uh, shoots it directly into the eye of a, a very pretty young lady. Um, but uh, part three is notable for being the first movie he gets his hockey mask in. But part four... Part four is when the series finally starts to have some damn fun. And it's also what I consider to be the last scary Friday the 13th movie. Uh, There's a lot of big actors, believe it or not, in Friday the 13th Part 4. Not exactly like Super AAA or anything, uh, but just to name a few, you have a a very young Corey Feldman. uh, You might remember from The Goonies. Yeah, Uh, yeah. It was one of his very first big roles and what really pushed him to stardom and got people to notice him. He was the uh, the lone child in the movie and one of the very few survivors because you just don't kill kids in movies unless you have balls. Uh, and then, of course, you had Crispin Glover, who is always known as the father of Marty McFly from Back to the Future, who is uh, one of the teenagers in the movie, and he was actually filming this movie just a, a couple of months before he did Back to the Future, and he's without a doubt, I think, the highlight of the movie, and that's another thing that's Crispin so Crispin Glover is, like, underrated. He's, like, a good actor, so no mm. one really notices him. Yeah. Like, sometimes actors are so good, no one notices, yeah. but he's definitely He's a, a very actor. strange fellow, yeah. uh, but that energy sort of, like, really went into this movie because he's such an amazingly awkward character throughout the entire movie, <laughs> and uh, there's this one... One scene in particular, which is the greatest thing about it. It's not even a kill. It's nothing about Jason. It's this one scene right before Jason goes on his rampage in the film where Crispin Glover and all the other kids are hanging out. They're getting drunk and they're partying and dancing with one another. And uh, they put on this ridiculous 80s hair metal song by the band Lion. Um, When they were filming it, it was reportedly ACDC that was playing. Uh, So it doesn't really sync up to the music at all. So Crispin Glover gets in here and he starts dancing and somehow becomes possessed by the shittiest dancing demon you've ever seen because he just 
I can't even do it justice. My only advice is if you haven't seen this movie is to go to YouTube and type in the Crispin Glover dance or something around those lines on Friday the 13th and you will see this hilarious dance that he is doing and you can just see everyone around him is trying everything in their power to not crack up laughing. And it's so freaking hilarious. That aside, uh, the rest of the movie is pretty much your typical slasher fare. What the hell is he doing? Oh, what he's doing? (laughs) 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 I can't even do it justice. It's so freaking amazing. What is going on? (laughs) But that scene is so fucking hilarious. Um, But like I said, the rest of the movie, typical slasher fare. (laughs) Uh, Jason comes back from the dead yet again. Uh, He has his hockey mask on and he just goes around and he butchers teenagers just because they're on his land and he doesn't like that happening. A lot of the kills in the movie are very brutal and uh, make great use of practical special effects. Crispin Glover, unfortunately, does get a meat cleaver to the face, which is pretty freaking ridiculous. Uh, So he doesn't make it. He does not. Uh, there are only, I believe, two survivors in the entire movie. Everybody else gets uh, pretty much axed in the most ridiculous ways possible. Uh, the, it's just, it's the perfect mixture of horror and comedy, which is uh, something that the Friday the 13th series has a really like hard time with maintaining. Like It's either really scary or it's really freaking stupid. This was the perfect combination of uh, everything. And it was also before Jason became an indestructible super zombie. Like, you actually kind of stood a chance against him. Like, oh, like he's you, not could, t- you could beat him up? Yeah, like, you can't, he's not teleporting or anything. Like, you could actually knock him out and hurt him and everything. Had he gone to space yet? Hadn't gone to space yet. <laughs> Hell freaking no. There's no way that uh, Jason X is going to make it on the show. But, but, uh, Let's keep the, it going. Yeah, Let's Friday the 13th, part four, favorite Friday movie. All right, uh, next we have the only movie that breaks into the 2000s, and this is Trick or Treat. Trick or Treat is the best Halloween horror movie. It's the movie that you want to watch on Halloween because it's centered around the holiday. It's actually an anthology horror movie, which was released in 2007, and there are some pretty big actors attached to this one. Dylan Baker, Anna Paquin, Brian Cox. These are all three amazing actors. Dylan Baker, you might not remember this guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was actually who played the uh, the lizard in the original Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies before he had an opportunity to transform into him. Yeah, he played the uh, scientist. Yeah, He's... Dr. Kurt Connors. Yeah. And, uh, and then, of course, you have Anna Paquin of uh, True Blood flame, yep. uh, fame. Uh, you know, she was a flame. very perfect for this movie uh brian cox and everything he's actually the uh the police chief from uh super troopers as well as striker from x-men 2 <laughs> yeah and like 50 other amazing movies but uh trick-or-treat is really good because it's an anthology story uh that tells all these different stories that all actually connect with each other like they're all overlapping like if you're watching one story if you actually pay attention and look into the background you'll see something that's going on in another story they're all connected oh, in a sense. Oh, cool, Now, cool. Uh, this is one of the few things on the, the list. Like, I don't want to give too much away, especially having you haven't seen it, but uh, I will give the first story away because it gives you kind of an idea of what this movie's all about. Uh, the first story involves this school principal who is trying to maintain the rules of Halloween, and that's one of the themes of the movie is you have to follow the rules of Halloween. Um, and this one trick-or-treater... What are the rules? Uh, the rules are uh, when you light your pumpkin on Halloween, your jack-o'-lantern... Don't blow out the candle. Let it roll. Always have uh, candy for the kids. Don't turn off your lights. Simple as that. Just follow the rules and everything's going to be fine. Okay, those are pretty basic rules. And this is a principal who's completely obsessed with that. But he also happens to be a complete psychopath because there's this one trick-or-treater who ends up coming to his house. Did you ever see Bad Santa? 
No, but no, I've heard about you know, it. You know Chubby Kid? Yeah, yeah. He comes to his house, and he sits down with the principal who's telling him about the rules of Halloween. And uh, one of the other rules is always check your candy. Because you know, remember back in the old days, they used the to have the stories the of the razor blades and, yeah. and, and poison. What this principal ends up doing is he actually ends up poisoning this kid, kills him right there, and then he drags him into his backyard and starts to bury him. Now, this is where the hilarity ensues, because throughout this entire story... Everybody is interrupting him, trying to bury this kid's body, and it always ends up really funny. Like, his son is upstairs, and he's, like, yelling out through the window, Dad, when are we going to go trick-or-treating? While he's sitting there, like, banging this kid's head. He's like, in a minute, son, we're going to get it. His name Why did he kill getting- the kid? Because he's crazy. Oh, okay. I'm going to get to it in a second. Okay, okay. Um, and uh, even his neighbor, who's played by Brian Cox, hates Halloween. He's a cantankerous old man. He hates everything about the holiday. He has his own story, which is the very last one you see in the movie. He's, like, yelling at his neighbor. And then uh, there's a point later in the story you can see something happening to him that happens later in another story. And it's funny because he's trying to conceal this kid up. Like, he's trying to make it look like a, just a normal Barry. Things keep interrupting him. Uh, his leg sticks up out of the ground. He's like, shit, I got to get rid of the leg, you know, and then uh, throughout the entire thing, his son keeps badgering him that they want to make a jack-o'-lantern and go trick-or-treating because it's Halloween, and then uh, finally when he does end up getting the kid buried at the very end of the film, or of his story, he actually reveals to his son, all right, son, we can go ahead and start making your jack-o'-lantern, and instead of using a traditional, like, just pumpkin, they actually have the head of the kid that he just killed on the table, as they're like spinning it around and working on it, and the son is working on it too. It's a it's a family of psychopaths. Oh, it's, so they just accept. That's why no one really said anything. Exactly. But the whole time you're like, how is no one not noticing this? But it's really, really <laughs> funny. It's extreme dark humor. Uh, but that's just one of the stories. The other stories, which I'm not going to go into detail over, are uh, they all intersect. There's one that stars Anna Paquin, where she's uh, trying to lose her virginity for the first time, while she's also being stalked by a mysterious assailant. We also have this other ghost story, which is about these kids who go to this old abandoned quarry, where all of these uh, mentally ill children who are on a school bus were actually taken to and killed as they uh, died in this big car crash. Again, I don't want to reveal anything about that. And uh, the other story, which is uh, one of my personal favorites, which features the main character of the film, whose name is Sam, who is the enforcer of Halloween, involves uh, that guy's neighbor again, the guy who hates Halloween. He gets stalked by this creepy little imp monster uh, who basically just enforces all of the rules of Halloween, and he will do so with extreme violent prejudice. This movie is funny atmospheric what's the title of this film again trick or treat um and it's an like i said it's anthology styled but everything is sort of connected in a way and it sort of jumps around a bit like you might see some events before they happen or after you know yeah uh, yeah. but uh it's really well done it's really well shot and uh it's one of those rare movies too where it was going to come out in theaters uh but then it got delayed and delayed multiple times so they only released it on DVD but when they did it exploded everybody's like why in the hell was this not released in theaters this is like the best halloween horror movie that's ever been done and uh that's the main reason uh I definitely got to recommend it because it's just so halloween centric it too truly embraces the holiday i mean there's just there's pumpkins and jack o lanterns and decorations all over the place all tied together with all these great horror stories i just you gotta see Trick or Treat. It is freaking amazing. It is a treat, not a trick. So that is my uh, next one on the list. We've already gone through that in Friday the 13th. The next one is uh, another sort of horror comedy. I, I, I'm starting to see kind of a trend 
Yes, and, uh, yes. Some of the, I do like a little bit of comedy with my horror. Um, there had to be a werewolf movie on here eventually, mm. um, and this is an American werewolf in London. I'll tell you what, Corey. I'm glad you put this one on because mm-hmm. I really wanted to see this movie. Yeah. And I was hanging out with all my cousins, and I have one part of my family that has like a lot of girl cousins. And I was like, let's all watch this. I've always wanted to see it. And they really hated it. I liked it, but it was the wrong movie to put on with a bunch of females. Yeah. It was just a little intense. Mm-hmm. But you see so much of where the werewolf story comes from in modern society with mm-hmm. this film. Like, it just has, like, oh, that's where they get it. You know, oh, there's a guy that bites people, and they mm-hmm. turn into werewolves, too. Yeah. And, you know, kind of like a vampire, But I they guess. add so much more to the mythology. They have a good style to it, yeah. It. Like, the, the whole point of the story, it's these two American backpackers who go to London, and they happen to be out on the moors, which is apparently where all of these uh, werewolves and creepy things go. And in the middle of the night, they're suddenly attacked by this werewolf. And uh, the main character, his friend, is killed by the werewolf, and he is bitten. So now he has become a werewolf himself. Whenever there is a full moon, he'll transform into this monster and go on a rampage. Now, that all sounds really standard, but what really makes the movie work is the other side story about his friend. He was killed by the werewolf, but since he was killed by some sort of undead living creature he now is stuck in limbo he can't actually pass on and throughout the course of the entire movie his dead friend is constantly talking to him and every single time you see him he looks worse and worse and worse and that's because he's constantly decaying the first time you see him his wounds look really fresh and clean and the prosthetic effects and everything that they did on him look so gruesome and nasty like just the detail like half of his face has like these big claw marks on them and you can see like bits of flesh and blood like dangling and moving like they're real and it's so disturbing and they're not doing anything it's just his body movements that allow him to do that and by the last time you see him he practically looks like a skeleton he almost looks like like basically a zombie from the walking dead and throughout the whole movie he's telling his friend he's like look if you want to get rid of this werewolf curse there's only one thing you can do you got to kill yourself and there's another reason why you got to do that if you don't kill yourself me and all the other people that you've killed are going to be stuck in limbo this entire time so dude do it for your friends just off yourself it's not really a real answer to the problem it's like can't i take some potion and shit that's where a lot of the humor he's like i don't know if i could do that man you know and he just met a girl uh, he he met a girl uh, who's uh, the nurse who was taking care of him. They start to form a relationship as well, and that's another part of the movie. Uh, but aside from all of that and all of the ghost and humor stuff, another thing that's really great about the movie are the hallucination scenes, especially early on in the film. Like, after he gets bitten, he starts having all of these really horrific hallucinations. Like, there's this one where he's in the middle of the woods just hanging out in a uh, hospital bed, and then when they cut to him, his face turns into a werewolf, where he has this oh, dream yeah. about his family being killed by all of these monstrous like nazis like it comes out of nowhere and it's really violent and fucked up and then wait, the, wait, the monster nazis is yeah. that is that that scene they always show with like with if you guy- pirate music do you remember that yes it was <laughs> that is from american if you Marvel. pirate music like, hold on dear i'll get it and then they just start <laughs> mowing everyone down they make him watch the whole time and then they cut his throat and that's when he wakes up yeah like that whole scene is ridiculous but it's also funny in a sense because of just how ridiculous this is this is a movie that uh does a great job of balancing its horror and humor and it also just has fun with the fact that it's a werewolf movie because every single song in the film has moon in it in some sense in fact i remember a couple weeks ago we were in the car we were stuck in traffic for an hour and you were asking me about that one uh song i think it was called uh, uh moon dance yeah by, that's uh, that's one of the, the the key songs in the movie you got a uh-huh. uh, credence clearwater revival who's doing bad moon rising during the first werewolf transformation scene of the movie one of the greatest werewolf transformation sequences 
ever put on film because it's all done with practical effects. You see everything happening in slow, excruciating pain. Oh, yeah. And it's all in full light. Like, a lot of the times when they do, like, a werewolf transformation or something like in a horror movie like that, they cover it in darkness because they don't want you to see the imperfections. They were so proud of their effects work that they shot the whole thing in full light and let you see everything. It's and intense. It is. It's and it goes so, on so long, you almost get uncomfortable. It is. That's the, But that is kind of the point. It, it really does a great job. And that's why I do consider it to be the greatest werewolf movie of all time and uh, definitely something that you should watch on Halloween or if you're just a fan of horror movies and werewolves in general. So uh, American Werewolf in London, it is freaking awesome. But we're getting close to the end now. Yes. Let's go ahead and uh, get to this next one. Um, I had to do a zombie movie. I'm glad you did because I, uh, I, I love zombies. I love zombie movies. There's so many of them, and this was another one of those choices where I'm like, do I choose the original Dawn of the Dead? Do I choose Day of the Dead from 1985? No. I'm going to choose the most rockin' fucking zombie movie of all time. That's I'm talking it. That's about it. the 1984 classic, The Return of the Living Dead. That is freaking right. They are back from the grave and ready to party. <laughs> Return of the Living Dead is the greatest zombie movie ever made. Again, it is a horror comedy. It definitely leans a little bit more towards the horror side, but it's basically sort of a riff on the entire zombie genre in general. Uh, have you ever heard of this movie or seen it before? I'm looking it up on IMDb right now. Okay. Um, um, so this Is movie, this the army-based one, Underground? Uh, no, that is Day of the Dead, which is really really good too it's just that that's a way more serious zombie movie yeah let me give you the rundown on this one so return of the living dead is not exactly a sequel to night of the living dead oh yeah yeah they but uh the the gas that'll change you mm -hmm, yeah is this where they had the naked guy runs out at him yeah i always remember that scene as a kid Mm -hmm. like that freaked me out yeah like whoa that dude doesn't care he's naked and he's running at him (laughs) you know like (laughs) for some reason that really blew my mind Mm -hmm. when i was a kid But uh, the premise of the movie is, like I said, it's sort of connected to Night of the Living Dead, but not really. It takes place in this medical warehouse. There's this uh, new kid who's just getting ready to start work, and uh, his uh, boss is telling him that uh, the whole movie, The Night of the Living Dead, was actually a true story. And everything that happened in the movie was just sort of like a retelling and sort of covering up what actually happened. And apparently, at the bottom of this medical warehouse, they actually have these bodies that got mixed up in the shipping with uh, the U.S. Army. And they actually have the zombie corpses, which are hanging out in these tanks. So they go downstairs... They smack the tank, which actually ends up, like, busting it open, and all of this gas starts pouring out, and these two guys just inhale it, and this causes the beginning of the problems, because since they work in a medical warehouse, this gas affects everything, and this is unlike any other zombie movie before, where just the humans become zombies. This affects other things, like, and there's a lot of great details, like, they go up in the medical warehouse, they have this, like, little plaque, which is filled with all of these collections of butterflies, All of the butterflies are flapping their wings right there because they've just been brought back to life. They have these split dogs, which are literally a dog which has been cut in half down the middle. Like for medical purposes. For for veterinarian purposes, yeah, for study. That thing became alive. Like when they see that for the first time, it's like panting and everything. And then they actually see the tap. They start like hitting it and everything and freaking out. And then they realize that in the other room, one of the corpses just came to life. The one that you were talking about. The the one that actually starts just running at them. So they're like, oh shit, we got to do something. We got to call the boss. So they call their boss, comes in. They're like, shit, what are we going to do? Well, it's Night of the Living Dead. So all we got to do is just destroy the brain, right? Wrong. In this movie, destroying a zombie's brain does not do anything. Cutting them up into pieces does not do anything. I mean, it saves you from 
getting eaten. Cause It'll they save can't... you, yeah, but I mean, these things will, like, if you cut an arm off, it's going to continue to, like, crawl towards you. It will do everything in your power. So it breaks to... a lot of the our traditional zombie lore. It does. You yeah. cannot destroy these zombies unless you completely destroy the bodies completely. And when you do that, that can actually make things worse. So they kill this body, they decide to take all of this stuff, and they're going to bring it over to their friend's crematorium, and they're going to do them, like, a really big favor. And what happens is, when they put these bodies in the crematorium... All of the smoke ends up going into the air. It causes acid rain, which comes back down to Earth, which just so happens to be right next to a cemetery. Why not? brings yeah. <laughs> all of these zombies out of the ground, which begins this big invasion where things just get worse. Now, there's this other subplot of the movie going on where there's these bunch of punk rock kids who are just wanting to party and have a good time. <laughs> and they just happen to be caught up in all of this. And they're the real stars of the movie. Uh, it's one of the few instances where I think the characters are uh, just as enjoyable as, like, the horror elements. And that's something that's really hard to do in horror movies, to make the characters likable, especially if they're just going to be killed off. You want to be able to feel for them, and that's exactly what they do in this movie. And uh, that combined with the 80s soundtrack and just the overall feel of the movie make this the most fun, over-the-top zombie movie I've ever seen. And it's funny because not of just the... They still eat brains, though. That Here's the thing. This is the very first zombie movie to do the whole eating brains thing. Technically, like before, The Walking Dead, they don't care about brains yeah, necessarily. Yeah, it's just everything else before was just like, you know, just zombies eating whatever they can find. Specifically in this movie, they even the, uh, the zombies can speak. They have the ability to speak oh so little. They can't carry on very long sentences, but they always say like, brains, brains, you know, they always yeah, say yeah. that stuff. Uh, there's this one zombie who explains that they eat the brains to make the pain go away because they can feel themselves rotting. Oh. Uh, it, it sort of like helps them from dying, so to speak. Interesting. It, it's really weird, and, it, and it's delivered in a creepy and funny way. Um, but this is one of those movies I simply cannot do justice if you haven't seen it. It's just, it's an absolute must watch for zombie fans. Uh, I'd say it's mandatory. And it's also got some of the greatest makeup effects I've ever seen in a zombie movie before. Uh, in particular, there's this one zombie who actually has a name, he's called the Tar Man. Because his body literally looks like it's just like made out of tar that's like melting, like his flesh has turned all brown and nasty. Was he it's, one of the uh, 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 zombies in the graveyard? He was actually the one that came out of the canister. Oh, uh, he's the he's the, the uh, he's the naked guy that they put in the canister. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he's just so creepy looking. And the actor they got to play him, like his movements are so disturbing. And it's even more disturbing because these zombies are actually kind of smart. Like they can they know how to use tools. There's a scene towards the end of the movie when they're trying to call paramedics and cops, and the paramedics come up, and all the zombies just like bum rush their car and they eat them. And then one of the zombies walks up to the car, gets in, grabs the uh, the intercom, and he's like. Send more paramedics. <laughs> <laughs> and they keep doing that. And it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And I don't want to give away the ending because it's uh, it's really shocking and kind of ridiculous. Uh, but Return of the Living Dead is the greatest zombie movie I've ever seen. My favorite zombie thing, period. Walking Dead hasn't even come close to it as far as I'm concerned. That's how much I love it. Just... Ugh, I love it, man. I like the thing about zombie movies is, man, there's so much lore mm-hmm. in that. Like, you can get like that version of zombies. Mm-hmm. You can get The Walking Dead, which is like mm-hmm. super serious and kind yeah. of depressing at times. And then you, you know, there's uh, even uh, is George Romero's zombies almost from movie to movie change in some ways. In, in a way, yeah, yeah. Like, like the, so. the zombies from Night of the Living Dead are not like the ones from Day of the Dead. What's the mall one? Or that the, uh, the original one is Dawn of the Dead in the Mall, and then they remade that in 2004. Those are the runny, running zombies. Uh, well, you know? that's the thing. The original Dawn of the Dead from the 70s were the traditional slow-walking zombies. 
Yes. And then in the remake, they decided, hell, make them sprint. 28 Days Later is pretty popular. Um, which, you know, I prefer the more slower lumbering zombies, um, which you'll also see in the sequel to that, Day of the Dead, which is very underrated. One of the most somber, hardcore zombie movies I've ever seen. Um, and since this is an 80s movie, too, the other reason it's so good is just the practical effects. There's no CG to be seen everywhere. Everything is made by hand, and you can definitely tell. It makes it all seem just that more real. Just freaking great right there. And like I said, it's really funny. The dialogue is really, really quotable. Uh, the music is fantastic and just fits the overall atmosphere of it being like an 80s punker rock zombie movie. It's yeah, just, yeah. God, I love it so yeah, much. Yeah, some of those ones, they just have this, in some ways, like an 80s feel to them. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's they're almost encapsulated in that in that sort of time yeah. period. But uh, the last thing I'm going to leave you on with Return of the Living Dead is uh, I think it's such a good movie that it's the type of movie that I can watch even when I'm not in the mood for a horror film. Like, usually I have to be, like, in a very specific mood to watch a horror movie. Like, Halloween's coming up, or, you know, like, there's a weekend coming up with some friends. We're going to have some horror movie marathons. This is a movie, like, if it's on, I'll just watch it. It's that good. It's funny. It's hilarious. It's Return of the Living Dead. Watch the first one. Skip all the shitty sequels, because believe it or not, there are sequels to this movie. All right, well, we're going to go ahead and move on to the uh, last movie right now. This is one that I've talked about for a very long time. It is John Carpenter's The Thing. Uh, I How did I not know that, Corey? Yep. I was thinking about putting that on my list just to smite you. But then I'm I glad was... you didn't. <laughs> uh, the Thing is one of the greatest science fiction horror movies of all time. I mean, I don't even need to say it. Russell frickin' Crowe. He's good. not in this movie. <laughs> I don't know why I said Russell Crowe. It's no, not actually, Russell Crowe. It's, uh, uh, it's uh, what's his name? I feel so bad for not knowing. Wow, it's your first up on cue. The, the thing. Uh, it's Kurt Russell, actually. Kurt, oh, that makes Kurt sense. Kurt Russell. Um, you know, he really makes this movie. Keith David, freaking Wilford Diabetes Brimley is in this movie. Um, you know, I, I the thing. Let's just talk about the premise. Um, it's real simple. It basically takes place in the Antarctic, and it's about this alien which has the ability to shapeshift into anyone. And the entire movie is about it turning into this crew and creating all of this paranoia in this amazingly tense and isolated setting. The fact that it's set in the Antarctic, like, there's just, you're never going to be safe. There's nowhere you can just run to. You're yeah. stuck in the middle of ice in every single direction. Yeah, every corner you, don't know you who turn to around. Trust. And uh, that's the whole point of the movie is as it builds up. Uh, to this amazingly explosive crescendo, you're always guessing, like, who is the thing? And even by the end of the movie, when you see the two survivors, you don't trust either of them. You don't know whether to believe they're the thing or not. And uh, really, I'm not going to beat around the bush. The reason this movie is so good are the effects. They are so fucking good. Practical effects, which are so realistic, make no use of CG, and are so well done, and so gory and nasty. I have no idea how they pulled off some of this stuff, which is just so incredibly inventive. Especially because this thing, which is not like your typical alien, it's not like the ones you see in UFOs, it's not like the alien from Aliens, it can take any form and transform into just about anything, and when it does so, it does it in a really violent fashion. Like, the very first time you see it transform in the movie... Uh, you actually see it, like, attacking all of these dogs in a kennel. Uh-huh. And, like, it first starts out as, like, a normal, like, Alaskan Malamute dog. And then it just starts, like, shaking. And then all of a sudden, its face, like, explodes and rips open. And you're just like, that was a real dog a second ago! How did they fucking do that? And then 
then it starts assimilating all of the other dogs, spitting acid all over their bodies and bringing them into its giant mass of meat and blood and nastiness, which then have these two giant claws which erupt up out of its body. It's so crazy. That's just one of the transformations from the movie. My personal favorite scene in the film is when one of the characters is seemingly having a heart attack. So they decide they're going to try and resuscitate him. And they have those, uh, you know, those two, you know, clear boom yeah they're doing that and as soon as this guy does it and he goes down onto his chest his chest opens up which is actually a giant mouth filled with razor sharp teeth bites down on his arms rips his arm off and then it assimilates with him and then this giant monster explodes out of his stomach which is then hit with a flamethrower by kurt russell its face then disattaches itself and becomes a walking spider head this is all in the span of one minute and the effects are so fucking nasty wow Ah, it's so good. The Thing is a great paranoia, suspense horror movie. It's sci-fi. It's amazingly tension-filled. There's barely any humor for the movie, so it's a pretty serious film. I I really, here's the thing. I'm almost uh, uh, sad that I don't really, I've never seen it. You know, I need to watch it. We're watching it then. We're watching it. It's fucking great. Like, every time I see it, it gets better and better every single time. And there was a remake slash prequel of it that came out a couple of years ago. It sucked balls. You know why it sucked balls? The characters sucked, the script sucked, and it was nothing but CG bullshit. None of the effects looked good at all, and it just didn't connect to it. And they were just trying to sort of, like, ride on the high of the original Thing movie. And what's most funny is that John Carpenter's The Thing... It's actually a remake. It's a remake of an old 1950s sci-fi movie called The Thing from Another World. and uh, The effects probably weren't as good back then. They were not, um, but the original's good because it's sort of like an old classic and there never been anything like it before, but John Carpenter's The Thing just blew it out of the water. It was so amazing. And when it first came out, it was not a successful movie. You want to know? You want to know why? Why? Because it came out the same week as E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Two alien movies. Very different. By, very different. One made by Steven Spielberg and one made by this new guy, John Carpenter, who made a pretty good Halloween movie a couple years. Most people went and they saw E.T. But over the years, it's gained a huge cult following and it has been recognized as one of the greatest sci-fi suspense horror movies of all time. When I told someone the other day that I'd never seen this movie, they went to their movie collection and they handed me a Blu-ray copy and they're like, you need to watch this. You do. And it's I was like, really damn. good. So, Corey, I've got to roll. You can finish up the podcast solo, though, because I literally, I've got to go. Man. Yes, I'm sorry, guys. Yeah. Christian has to go. He's got an important uh, appointment today, but... uh there it is, um, my top five favorite horror movies of all time. Thank you guys again <laughs> for, uh, for watching. Uh, before we go, I would like to uh, thank Rogue Intel uh, for making this show possible. Because of them, we are able to speak our minds and talk about anything that we want. If you guys would like to help support our channel as well as the Rogue Intel Network, I'd highly recommend signing up for their Amazon services. It's rogueintel.com slash Amazon. Make sure to check that out. That way you'll be able to save a lot of money by buying from Amazon as well as helping out all of our channels. Uh, Stay tuned because next week we are going to have a Halloween uh, show. Uh, According to Christian, we are going to be in costume, so uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, For people who watch on YouTube, it certainly should be something of a treat. Uh, But there it is. I really wish we had more time to talk to you guys. A lot of you guys have been asking if we could extend the show, but the, the fact of the matter is we barely have any time to even do the show as is but uh we do appreciate your viewership make sure to uh follow us on youtube as well as downloading the show for free at rogantel.com check out their other shows they're all really freaking awesome remember to also check us out on itunes so thank you guys again for watching and we will see you next time
What's up, guys? It's Shane from Now That I'm Older. Check out Pure Orgasmic Love on the Rogue Intel Podcast Network. Sex, 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 one of the most amazingly diverse topics on the planet. And each week, Dragonfly and Swamp Ape will discuss and educate on topics involving love, relationships, and you guessed it, one of their favorites, sex. Pure Orgasmic Love. Find them on RogueIntel.com. 